What is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And well, we've got a special one today. It's only been, this is officially the second time we have somebody in the Adventure Taco Studios. Uh, I gotta give credit to Gnarly Dave for that. That is a Gnarly Dave named studio, the Adventure Taco Studios, as we call it. But it is episode 89 of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And again, we are getting ready for the Sonora Rally coming up this week. So you guys are listening to this at, on Sunday, 10 a.m. We are on the road, headed to Hermosillo for the start of the 2022 Sonora Rally. We will be down there for the week. Make sure you guys are following us on Instagram to get those episodes or get those updates. Episodes, the episode will come after, but we'll be doing live updates from the rally every day. So you guys could definitely check it out and find out a little bit more about what is going on and how it is playing out. I've seen the guest list. I think we got some people coming down. So we've got the American Rally Originals team headed. We've got Skylar Howes headed. And a bunch of others. So, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about today's episode. We have none other than Mo Hart with us here in the studio. And we're going to be talking some Rally Raid fresh off of the Baja Rally. The six-day Baja Rally, we should say. So... Let's talk a little bit about that experience and uh, and all the rally happenings. I don't think I've ever asked him how he got started in a rally, so we'll, we'll we'll get to hear it from him. Let's turn down the party here a little bit. Mo, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. See, this is very different. I'm not used to having you know somebody live here because the audio is way different. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. All right, so you ready for Sonora? Yeah, uh, ready for Sonora. Doing some bike prep in San Diego County, which is how I get a chance to be here in person. Didn't want to drive all the way home and uh, have to recover from that as well. The uh, the hurricane damage in uh, Baja was pretty pretty serious. So trying to go a little bit easy on the body with another rally, like you know, a week away. Yeah. No, well, I can imagine. So where, where's home for you? I live in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, okay. It's probably solid seven and a half hours from here. Ooh, yeah. So that's definitely not uh, not conducive to doing two long rallies. Yeah, <laughs> and not near any desert. So it's always a commute to train and get time off work and make it happen. But uh, yeah, all good. Nice. The So, I mean, Baja Rally. Just finished it up six days, uh, one extra day, right? Normally, it's just the five day event prologue. And I almost thought it started out as four days, maybe with the prologue, four time stages. But uh, the six day format's good, you know. I, th- I think for what ARO is trying to pull off this year, it was uh, it was good to stretch it out a bit, you know. Have some good long transfers, and the RFR was proven good for that which was a good test for me and wasn't really missing my 501 and the bay of la stuff so it was good nice yeah this was uh another shakedown for the rfr for you yeah and one that was on the clock you know i mean i uh rode it at the yellowstone rally wyoming tulip festival um probably not the right machine but an important uh event to get some time in on that thing um you know my two-stroke would have been the right choice but i suffered through it and glad i did um came in handy for hurricane k aftermath if you will in baja it was good yeah i saw some of the uh well first of all green very green cactus i'm still pulling cactus out of my arms i think that the (laughs) single track was very narrow i think that the overhang from 
all the stuff blooming was very severe. I mean, it's a lot of needles pulling, still pulling stuff out. (laughs) And I mean, that's so you were there. I mean, you, you've been, you're like one of the OG Baja rally guys. I started, I did Baja rally three in 2015. And, um, I think Rick Vetter and I, uh, did all the same rallies until this year. And this year, Rick Vetter was a, a tester verifier. And so I now I'm plus one on Rick. I think, um, Mike Johnson did the first two, but missed the third one. So I think Mike holds the record. I, think i'm in second and i think rick and maybe kent choma have done the third most i I think that's right i'd have to check but yeah nice well i know that's good and it's a obviously the event keeps going going and and i mean the the routes i feel like the routes have always been that seems to be the number one right how are the routes this year Uh, i enjoyed them um you know i it's hats off to the organization and you know I, i think i have to throw rick rick better's name in there they they didn't have any stage uh, blunders in terms of a data file or a rally comp issue, so they verified things very well and proper, and that is a hard thing for an organization to claim, and they can claim it this year. So hats off to those guys. Uh, it was nice to ride some new stuff, um, some of that stuff I'd never seen, and that's almost, you know, if you go back to the beginning of my Baja Rally interest, it was to do motorcycles in Baja without score trucks or trophy trucks chasing you down. And, uh, I still feel that way. And, you know, those guys continue to show me new and good stuff and, uh, hats off to them for making some fresh stuff and mixture of everything, sand, rocks, you know, hill climbs, uh, some beach riding. We got some rain. There was some muck, there was some mud and, uh, the Bay of LA twist was, was good. I, I felt bad that, um, they had to alter some stages because of erosion damage. Um, but the Bay of LA was beautiful. You know, it was over 95 degrees when we got there and we had some nice hotel rooms with AC, very welcome. And we left in the morning. It was hot. As soon as we left Bay of LA and started getting into the mountain passes, it got down to like frosty 58 degrees. I mean, it oh, was wow. just schizophrenic weather in yeah, terms of all over all over the place and so that's you know that's where your rally jacket and some sleeves i think come in handy and felt bad for some of the new guys who were leaving just their motocross gear and probably <laughs> a little cold i don't know i mean you could see you knew you were going into it the whole time but um yeah it was good i mean they it would keep going they keep going um a little bit further south every year and i appreciate that you know yeah. it's the I'm, i don't really miss the ensenada transfers those were were pretty dangerous so starting in san Quentin is pretty special and uh, like i said i missed the first two but it sounds like they used to start there in version one and maybe version two and i think they were happy to be back there and it was good it's very sandy down there and um i liked it you know it's good yeah it definitely um you know i was there i think my last year there with them it was the first year that they they started running everything out of san Quentin, and i feel Ensenada has always been home for a lot of the racing organizations. And I feel like that, you know, yeah, like there's something missing, you know, not coming back to the San Nick for the, the pool party. True. True. But, true. but when we were in the vans after lunch and awards driving up there, I was like, gosh, I hated this on the bike. I mean, I just yeah. weaving and dodging dogs and 
all that stuff. Yeah, um, trying trying to get out of town just yeah. to get into a stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was good. I mean, I think I think the level of riding offered just gets better the further you go south. So yeah. no complaints starting in San Quentin for me. You know, I think some of the people who look it up on MapQuest and go, oh, it's 130 miles. You know, well, it's not going to take you two hours. It's a yeah. <laughs> five or six hour mm-hmm. jaunt, but it's worth it. It's better than doing it on a bike. Yeah. You know? yeah and I feel like, you know, and, and once you get there, it's out of that hustle and bustle of the city. Mm-hmm. It's out on a point. It's out by itself. You know, it's a really nice hotel. It's a big hotel. So you got a lot of room to get lost. And the, the parking for the bivouac is huge. So it's really conducive to this kind of event. And it, it is the best place in the world to get some sleep. The waves crashing on the beach in your hotel room, there's nothing like it. I, mm-hmm. It's just the soothing, so yeah. soothing. And good food. That restaurant is awesome. Yeah, they've always they've done they've always done a really good job with the food. And and what's interesting is they it's the same owners, them and the hotel in Catavina, which this year hosted the majority of the rally. The there history was, of those two hotels and it's two of a chain, they've built those hotels to host the president of Mexico mm-hmm. in case he travels a peninsula and they maintain them as such. And yeah. he, I don't think he's ever done it. <laughs> I don't think he's ever It makes sense. I don't think he's ever done and, it. It makes sense, and it makes sense, yeah, because, I mean, the hotels are very well kept, mm-hmm. and especially uh, Mission Catavina, that that hotel, just getting there, the the that Mars-like feeling that, you know, I mean, thanks to Starlink this year, it was a little bit yeah. different. Yes. But it there's something just about it being yeah. down there. It's a special bivouac. Uh, cactus in the back and the sunrises and the sunsets are just, yeah. you can't even describe them. You just have to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely I, everybody I remember that I talked to about that. I'm all like, just wait for sunset. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. This is what it is now. Just wait for sunset. You'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, and then green. I mean, this is again, go back to that. It's been four years since the last set of hurricanes came through. So there was some changes. But now I think it's greener than it was back then. Well, I'll tell you, Victor, the first the first loop we did uh, in Catavina out to the coast and back, it was it was pea soup fog and you know, visually didn't quite get stunned, but the second Catavina loop, the sun was out. It was greener than Hawaii. You looked like you were in just the greenest, lushest Hawaii, all the mountains, everything. I mean, it was, I've never seen Baja so green in my life. It was, uh, absolutely impressive. And then the washes, I'm sure, you know, everything pristine, you know, (laughs) when Scotty was posting videos of pre-running or verifying and those version washes, I was like, I cannot wait. And they did not disappoint. There was, you just get into those washes and you could, you were just surfing. It was, you could just do whatever you wanted. Total freestyle. You weren't caught in some tracks from years and years, years of travel and Mm -hmm. um, all fresh, a full reset. I mean, an absolute full reset. It was epic. It was good. Nice. Yeah, that, I mean, you definitely, I mean, that's, I mean, it rings true. And I've talked a lot about it on the show, but it seems like every year it's always the same. Like, you know, I, part of what I like doing, being at the finish line and getting you guys in and talking, you know, how was the stage? And it's always been the common thing. It's like, wow. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, he's, he's shown me places in Baja that I wanted to see, you know, like yeah. I didn't know it and everything else, but, uh, I just, the whole score thing for me, um, I feel like I can always hear a truck coming and you turn around, there's no truck there. It's just a mind game for me. And uh, I appreciate the moto only aspect of Baja rally. And when it first started, there were no side by sides and that was a huge appeal for me. And uh, 
yeah, you know, sadly, you know, there were some side by side incidents in the middle there somewhere. And, you know, I don't know where they've all gone, but, uh, we're back. It seems like we're back to motos only and no complaints for me. Um, yeah, he did a good job this year. You know, there were no, no blunders, no canceled stages, no shortened stages. And it's a positive. So, Yeah, and let's. I mean, I you know I want to find the the history of where you got started because I think <laughs> I think I have an idea where you got started, but you know we'll, we'll get into it. But it's something that we've already mentioned a couple times, I and mean, we were talking about it at dinner. Now the whole like the stages thing and putting together a stage and and verifying it's the recipe, right? Yeah, it's the avoiding the big bummers. There were I don't think I had a stage better than eighth. And I don't think I had a stage worse than 15th. And that 15th, the only waypoint I opened this whole event uh, was on what used to be a dry lake bed. They made a go around. I think that the water dropped, I don't know, you could say somewhere between 80 and 100 feet, maybe more since the go around was made. So when you start putting faint tracks in the road book and everybody just runs a shorter course around the lake because it's receding, you know, I screwed that up pretty bad. So I opened a 10 minute waypoint and that 10 minute waypoint cost me five spots. That's how tight it was. So a 15th Mm -hmm. would have been a 10th if I had navigated properly. Um, So tight racing in the middle there. But my point is, is that I, I avoided the big bummers. That was my big bummer. I had to sit on that one in the car all the way home that 10 minutes. But, uh, just tried to be smooth and consistent and safe you know i i'm making it to sonora which some other people can't say and i you know it's terrible news for sure but just tried to avoid the big bummers and um you know to to turn some of those what sound like terrible results into like a you know a seventh overall and fourth in class i i'm i'm happy with that and that's seven years of rally painful lessons you know i mean that's just all the big bummers in the past just trying to make that recipe just right to be consistent and i'm happy with my race i never done that well at baja rally and you know it's never good enough of course but uh i just keep working on it and just you know when i'm trying to help the guys and bring some guys through and be an ambassador and stuff i mean i try and teach them that with their electrical work and their bike and and their builds and you know this thing needs to be reliable and you don't want to be asking for time back because your thing unplugged or or whatever it's it all comes down to your prep and uh, and i'm not as we discussed i'm not really a, a high risk rider so for me i need all the help i can get and and i try to do preparation the way it should be done properly and mm-hmm. not have any excuses i've you know that's been the source of some failures in the past and uh just trying to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and, and I think, you know, David Pearson had mentioned it around and, uh, and, and you guys, well, it's been a common thing with you guys and the, and the team working together, but the time management aspect of it and all of that plays into it, you know, bike prep, you know, I now have to spend 30 minutes fixing this issue on my bike that 10 minutes at home would have, would have resolved this. Right. Oh, well, and then that's, you know, when I'm, my local guys who live in my zip code who I've dragged into this whole thing, they're, oh, I'm just going to clean my air filters down there. You don't have time for that, man. Like, 
buy six air filters and bring them like you do, you don't have time to clean like you never know what you're rebuilding you never know what you're chasing down you never know how long the meeting's going to go you never know if you're even going to get it in before dark mm-hmm. you know you, you yeah prep work is the biggest thing and mm-hmm. if you break a bead in your driveway because you're taking three sets of wheels and don't figure it out until you get there that's bad right like yeah. you're you're paying for it later and ruined your rally so yeah prep is huge and um and it's everything it's you know it's fitness it's prep it's um did you bring everything you know did you leave something on your kitchen table that you're you're in reach or whatever it is it's it all matters um and you know what they say experience is something you get right after you need it the most yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that's somewhere in there like i think that's like murphy's law subsection Mm -hmm. two somewhere in there Mm -hmm. you know because it seems that's like how it goes down. It's mm-hmm. always just. Yeah. So, so let's rewind the clock a little bit. You said seven years. Yeah. So, you've been in rally. 2015 was my first one. And I remember that was the first time I met Mike Johnson. And when he figured out that that was my first race ever, he was like, you chose a four day rally to be your first race. He's like, what is wrong with you? You know, like you've never raced before. And I'm like, nope, I've never raced before. And I think the bug is is point to point riding. So mm-hmm. whether it's you know uh, going through my history, LA Barstow Vegas, you know doing five hundred miles in two days or whatever it is, four hundred ninety seven miles or um, stuff like that, or riding in Baja, you know, getting from A to B, and um, I really, I think Mason's talked about that too a bit, just. You get you get hooked on going somewhere and big gas tanks and burning fuel and and seeing things and mm-hmm. you know the Mojave Desert can offer you that Mojave Trail getting out to um, Nevada and Arizona State Line from Barstow and um, stuff like that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of you know the BDRs offer that to people now. I, I don't really think the BDRs were fired up back then, but um, just really enjoy that point to point riding. And, and, you know, that being said, I'm, I'm excited that this year's edition of the, or the next edition of the Dakar is coast to coast, not a loop. Like I don't want to say it gives it legitimacy, but I'm just excited that it's not a loop and it is, you know, we're crossing the whole thing, the yeah. whole country. That's great. I'm yeah. Excited. Yeah. You're not going to see, I mean, you don't see the same terrain, but you're on this side of the mountains. And then in a few days, you're going to be on that side of the mountains. So, you yeah. know, you just know you're in that area. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Saudi Arabia, um, big, big place. So, uh, logistically, I think it's hard for the org, but they're, they're doing it. So yeah. coast to coast sounds better to me than a loop back to Jeddah. Yeah. Uh, excited. And so how, I mean, now you've, you've spent time on the RFR, you guys have been working together, you know, on the team and, and, you know, going back to the training, I mean, that's really where I got first to see you guys work as a team, mm-hmm. um, and helping train some of these new guys, mm-hmm. you know, getting the, the transferring the knowledge, right. All the, right. There's <laughs> a lot of different ways to do that. And I have to say that, you know, Scott Bright's approach is kind of how we chose to, uh, you know, be part of the San Quentin Baja Rally training event this spring. And Scott's a good guy, laid back guy. And basically, you know, you show up on the first day and he's like, the 50 questions you have now, 
mm-hmm. will be much different than the 50 questions you have after you go do this roadbook. So why don't you just go do this roadbook mm-hmm. and then we can do question time. And some of the schools you go to, it's all this time in front of a chalkboard and everybody's eyes are glossed over and nobody, you know, so we sent people out on a strategically basic roadbook mm-hmm. and they figured out how to read a tulip and how to turn right and turn left at a certain distance. And, and I think it's great. Um, we definitely shadowed some riders. We would team up, a somebody who understood with a new person and, and, uh, you know, if they had questions, we would answer them. And I think, I think in general it went great. Um, yeah. you know, I, a lot of positive feedback, uh, you know, the Russian guys, Vlad and Alexander, uh, they continuously, just smile on everything we've, you know, tried to bring to them and share with them. And, and that, that makes us happy. I think that shows us that it worked and they keep coming back for more punishment. So it's great. It's good. Yeah. They had a, uh, this year's uh, Baja rally was interesting for them. They both had, you know, I know they had mechanicals. Uh, I believe it was Vlad that uh, took a shortcut off of a drop and uh, on his spike and Benjamin Myers went off the same drop and I saw that go down and uh, that shook me up pretty bad. Um, but yeah, those those Russians are are crafty. They, uh, you know, there, there's a funny story that comes along with those guys when when they moved to the U.S. or came to the U.S. Somebody told them that if they were going to be Americans, that they had to get Harleys. If they wanted to be true Americans, they had to get Harleys. So they did. They went out and got Harleys, and I think that's how they got into motorcycles. I don't know yeah. if they had anything to do with motorcycles before that, but they got Harleys, and and I don't know. Now they're on a 690 and a 500, and, and they're racing rally, and, and they love it. I see them in the, you know, we did a reverse start one day and came across them, and it doesn't matter what's going on. They're smiling, so yeah, hats nice. off to those guys. They're fun. Yeah, that's, and, and you know, and that was the, you know, I was working with them uh, on day two or no day one at the end of day one. And, and it was later on into the night and they were having issues with the bike and doing all that stuff. But it wasn't a it wasn't a stressed look. It wasn't a defeated look. It was a focused look. Yeah, they they were there. They knew whatever that tomorrow morning we're lining up. We've we've period. tried to, you know, teach. Or bring something to the table, which is just the relentless forward momentum. Whatever it takes to get to the next thing. Don't next waypoint. You know, finish finish the roadbook basically. And if it's you know five days of roadbooks, it's you know one goal at a time. And those guys exemplify that. So it, it makes it, it brings you know what we're working towards when we see people like the Russians apply it. It's good. Yeah. Uh, it makes us happy. You know. Yeah. And I mean, you get to see, I mean, and, and this is a, a product of, of what you guys did, because as far as I know, that was the only training that they did was the Sanguine team. I haven't talked to them about it, but I think that was it. They might have, uh, I've met those guys. They might've been at Scott Bright's training. One of them. Okay. Um, it wasn't the first time I'd met them, oh, Okay, but in terms of a timed special stage race, I think this was their first. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, I mean, it's a big undertaking, too, in the first, you know, the first six-day event for Baja Rally. Yeah. Uh, and then the first marathon stage yeah. for them, which ba- is awesome. Based on what Kay did to that place, I I just uh, I feel bad for anybody who shows up on a 690, you know. And, and, and I say that, and then you got guys like Brett Fox just slaughtering the course on his Triumph 900. What an animal. I just... Yeah. 
I can't even <laughs> believe I, I saw him and I'm like, did you finish the stage today? He's like, oh yeah. I'm like you something, good job, man. You're, you're dealing with your PTSD. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. if that's what, if that's what you need to do, you're doing great. Yeah. That was one of the hardest things ever. And, uh, he did great. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but he did great. Yeah. Well, and, and, and talk about that is there's another person that was like, there was not a doubt he was lining up the next morning. Oh, never. No, there's no <laughs> doubt. I mean, he, he, uh, he's rebuilt that bike so many times. I think mm-hmm. he set the record for tires and tubes and everything. Uh, uh, close. He might've gone through, I don't want to exaggerate, but I think it could be eight to 12 tires and who knows how many tubes. And, uh, he was just roasting those things off that oh, bike. Yeah. And, uh, and he stripped that thing down. I mean, he's taken most of everything off that's important or not important, but useless. And, mm-hmm. uh, built a reservoir for that rear shock so he didn't have you know kind of a boil over no shock situation and he he impressed he impressed me i you know there were some issues at the at the training session in the spring Mm -hmm. in the dunes you know some clutch issues some air in the intake issue i'm sorry sand through the air intake issue and uh he did that whole rally finished yeah good good for him that's gonna be and and that's uh and then coming soon because I see he's also online for uh, for Sonora Rally. Oh, nice! Oh, good. So let's talk. I mean, you've you've done both. I mean, mm-hmm. you've done Baja Rally, and obviously, and you've done Sonora Rally. What what are some of the bigger differences? What are some of the stuff that you guys? If I was getting asked by one of the guys at home that question, I would tell them that they should probably do Baja Rally first. Mm-hmm. And make sure that they want to go down this path and spend all their money and <laughs> and love rally as much as the rest of us. Um, and most of them do, but I just I just think to do a five or six day rally, um, I think the dunes might overwhelm people. If you if you wanted Sonora Rally to be your first rally, I would just highly suggest that you go to one of their dune schools or mm-hmm. you know off the book off the time training scenarios and just make sure you can ride dunes that are 40 to 60 stories tall. You know, yeah. like I, I remember my first Sonora and, um, I called it <laughs> post-traumatic dune disorder. I mean, I, those things are huge. And, yeah. uh, first time you see them, you're like, you're riding into them and you're like, Oh, are we going over those things? Next thing you know, you're going over them and <laughs> you at least need to know how to ride in them or try to ride in them before you just show up. Yeah. I, uh, that I will say, um, each rally is, has its own, own flavor and that's, you know, everybody, every, and it's a road book. So the author is decides your fate. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I had a long talk with Scott Whitney today and I'm really excited that he's the author this year for Sonora, a lot of three in one notes to car style. And, you know, you got guys like that who are the best ambassadors in the world for North American rally. And it's just, we're just lucky souls to have access to those road books. And I know he's trying to retire and have fun. And I know Darren pulled him back in, but I am super glad for selfish reasons. Uh, it, I'm really looking forward to this event. And uh, you got guys like that just doing great things for rally. And, you know, with what's happening, happening when North American rally, it's, it's good to have him in the fold. I, hope he doesn't retire too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, keep making the road books. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing. And I mean, there's a lot of new people that listen to, to the episodes and they're wanting to get into it. Navigating the dunes always seems to be in the Dakar, especially now that they've gone to Saudi Arabia. I mean, dunes is the, like 
that's the thing. Sand. The sand. And yeah, not being or being at the front of the pack opening the stage means you don't have tracks. So you're solely dependent on more of an off-piste and HP-type navigation. Talk a little bit like, okay, I'm going into a sand section. How does your mindset kind of change, and what, what, do you, what are the things you start to focus on? Uh, I probably still have a lot to learn, but, you know, when I reach out to people who know, like Skylar and stuff, you know, he says that Saudi Arabia-specific scenario, I mean, you, you have to learn how to ride in tracked out sand mm-hmm. and fast you know like it's it's not a lot of turning it's not a lot of nav and i was like so you mean just go ru- go ride the dunes highway a hundred times he's like pretty much he's like don't worry about the nav though it's so tracked out he's like you're not yeah i don't see mm-hmm. myself leading out but yeah. you do have a situation in this deck car where they're talking about a and b routes mm-hmm. so that only i think helps somebody like me i mean i hope i'm not exaggerating that but um i still like to navigate so that that was exciting news um i don't know how fair it is i don't know if the a route is going to be that much goofier than the b route that somebody could actually get around you but um you know it's i think it's important to know how to be comfortable in the sand so that you can navigate so if you go back to my early dunes days i was hanging on for dear life i was not reading the road book i was not looking down because i was just trying to survive in the sand and um you know i've worked on my riding a bit and tried to put in the time and working on suspension etc and uh when you're comfortable on the bike i think you can navigate so you know there's a lot to be said when you listen to the colton udall uh podcast and keeping focus and keeping it together and uh yeah i've been working on that you know Mm -hmm. i i Living in Santa Cruz, it's not easy to get to the sand to train, but uh, I'm going to do as much as I can in the next, did you, I mean, we're inside 90 days. I don't even know, yeah. 80 days, 80 days to go and try and stay healthy in December. But um, yeah, if you're comfortable in the sand and you know how to ride in the sand and your body positioning is correct, and you're not fatiguing yourself, I think then you can navigate. Then so you can. that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting in 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 that that you know it was a common theme with the with the Bronner guys up front this year at the rally and in, in in Baja and it's you know you you have to be if you're new on the bike and you're learning something new riding wise and then you're also trying to learn something new navigating wise you really can't do any of those two things. Right. Well, let's be honest. Those Bronner kids know how to ride. I mean, yeah. you know, putting putting something in front of them to slow them down didn't seem to help slow yeah. them down at all. Like no. they're just fast and they're skilled double A air scramble riders. I, I think those are the right words for their. Yeah. For their genre. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's nothing short of impressive of the speed of those kids. And, uh, you know, there's been some scenarios. I think, you know, they were at the Yellowstone rally and um, and fly on the wall in the showers and heard those two talking about nav and, and they totally get it, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they knew I was in there, but I mean, I don't know how old, are, I don't even know if they have their driver's license, but they're, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're playing yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. They're, they're playing capture the flag and, yeah. and enjoying it. I mean, it's actually making riding interesting. It's another aspect of riding, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I think some other people have said it, Scott Bright and Tony and, you can take a road you've ridden a hundred times. As soon as you put a road book on it, it's interesting. It's a whole nother run. And they, uh, 
they know how to read a road book. I, I wish I didn't quite see them on the entry list for Sonora. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously going to be a level up or, you know, up a couple levels uh, nav wise. And I wish they were coming, but uh, yeah. there's a future there for those guys yeah. and um, hope, hope they apply themselves. Cause it's, it's there. I yeah. mean, one of them, I think tore their ACL on the last day mm-hmm. and um, um, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of man down situations there in Baja, but uh, yeah. I blame, I blame the, the, the hurricane and the storms and obviously the, the washouts and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it, it, that's interesting. Um, you know, we, we were talking about this at dinner, the, the verification of the road books mm. and, and how these obstacles come up, right. You know, something that was, you know, six weeks ago, it was go time. The, the route's been decided, the tracks are there, everything is there. And then you go two weeks before the first stage start. And now all of a sudden it's in, like an eraser came through and just well, not, not only that, like you go and you rebuild your road books, poor mm-hmm. bastards, you know, like they yeah. have to go redo all that work and they do it and they verify it and they're done and it rains again, Yeah, you know, Oh, what a mess. <laughs> like, Oh, just rolling your eyes the whole time. Yeah. And, and I think there was some of that and, you know, Scotty did a good job. He'd, he'd go out and his, his poor forerunner, I, th- I think is absolutely destroyed, <laughs> but he would, he would rush out and. And verify some safeties um, before the start and then give us a verbal at the start line. He's like, yeah, you know, that WPS that I marked three weeks ago is filled in. You don't need to worry about that one. But the next day, he'd be like, 10Ks in, you need to be really careful. Like, there's a new mm-hmm. one, and, you know, we'd ride it in and, and uh, changing all the time. And I, and I think that's rally, you know, ride what you can. Well, I'm mm-hmm. not high risk, but, you know, ride what you can see and and be safe. And mm-hmm. um Hurricane K, you know, what a terrible name. Like it's that grandmother you hate. <laughs> I what a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she she made a mess down there and yeah. it, and it just the the leftover rain would come through or one band after a redo on a route would make another mess and uh they they handled it well. Um mm-hmm. you know, we still did some really long days and Six, six stages is good. The uh, the last day was 70Ks this year, time special. I think it was close to 270Ks of transfer and time special. And it rained the night before. You know, oh, it, it was spicy. Like, yeah. the, it was muddy. You could, you you know, game-changing rain in terms of just, you know, how you, maybe you'd approach the last day or or what it did and some parts of the course got more rain than others so you oh it's dry again and then you'd you'd hit a little where a cell had just burst and it would just be mud bog just spicy you know (laughs) you're just what is going on now and yeah uh fun riding um you know good not not a lot of dust uh but good stuff um and you know like i said new new Always showing us new stuff. I, I enjoyed that part of it. And new terrain, yeah. And that's you know, and, and you know, kind of touching base and closing that is the. I think that that was very important. Like you know, they they did go out and spend, and that's. I mean, let's see. There's there's two things going on here. One is the time invested to go back and verify the road book after something like this happens, but that's par for the course when you have such a natural not disaster, but such a, a, a weather and natural, you know, nature impact on these areas. And then on top of that, well, that's just 
par for the course for the organization. I mean, it's Scotty, uh, Mauricio and those guys that like it's um, every year in working with rally comp, it seems like it's a very common theme is like they're constantly testing with the rally comp and constantly going over the routes with them and verifying all of that stuff. And I think that that well, you could write the best road book in the world, but if you don't verify it with the rally comp, it's basically useless. And, and mm-hmm. we've seen that in certain scenarios and yeah. the, you know, those guys did it right this year. So it's, uh, it's critical. I mean, if, if that WPM or that WPS or that eclipse is goofy and the radius on that stop sign near the gas thing is goofy and you don't, you know, if you're taking people's money and you're not verifying the data file against the roadbook, it's mm-hmm. a mistake. And, um, you know, I feel pretty strongly about that. Like, yeah. I think it's I think it's worth sending somebody through it on a bike with a rally comp to see, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. And I mean, it's it is, um, you know, we've we've talked about this. It's something very simple. You know, if if you even if you move the you know, when you're designing the road book, if you move the waypoint, I mean, uh, uh, two millimeters, I mean, just nothing on the screen. And it's near a speed zone. Yeah. Uh, and like, then it, then it, it, everything can change. Yeah. The perfect scenario. Or, you know what, you're riding this ridge up on top mm-hmm. for this, you know, in this particular section, or you're down in the sand wash and you move it just a little bit. Next thing you know, that waypoint's up on the ridge. Mm-hmm. And you may make the open radius, which even makes it even more frustrating because now you've got an arrow, but no matter how hard you try, you're down in the wash and the waypoint is actually up on top waving at you. Yeah. You know, looking yeah. down and going, hi. Yeah. I mean, but, in an effort to do as much training as I, I can this year and as many road books as I can, I was trying to save money. And instead of racing Kota, I offered to verify the data file against the road book, you know, mm-hmm. try to be Switzerland between say the riders and the org and rally comp and just so that there were no blunders and so that those guys had a great rally and uh you know mike graves worked with me and he listened to me and and i found a couple things and they were basically all radius based it it had nothing to do with his road book it had to do with radiuses and speed zones and Mm -hmm. gas stops and neutralization zones and i think i think we made a lot of progress and uh, you know i heard good things from the competitors and you know it that needs to happen regardless of of who and what the rally is like somebody verifying it you can go out all day and ride your road book but if you don't do it with a rally comp you Mm -hmm. don't know what you're gonna what what bug you're gonna find and yeah um i think it went off i think kota i wasn't there for the actual race but uh you know did the entire route and mike shadowed me mike graves shadowed me and and was very open to what I had to say, and I appreciated that. And uh, I hope it worked out well for them. I, yeah. uh, you know, Mike Johnson and Jim Pearson had done something similar the year prior, mm-hmm. and I picked their brains. I'm like, is it is it worth it? Is is Colorado Utah Rally, Kota Rally? Is it something I want to do? You know, like I'm not really into speed limits. I'm not really into tubes and. Jim was adamant, you know, you need to see what he's offering. And I'm like, okay. And the way that I chose to do that was to verify it instead mm-hmm. of race it. And glad I did, you yeah. know, excellent guys and great organization. I think, I, you know, I met Mike and his driver and then I worked with their eye in the sky mm-hmm. um, and had some comms with his Mike Graves partner afterwards and uh, really liked all of them. So 
I'm thinking that, uh, you know, they're, I don't think they're going to let me verify again. I think the rule is you verify once you race the next year. And Mike, Mike did that. Johnson did that. And, yeah. uh, I don't know what Jim's doing. He's in Europe somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't know where, where's Jim. That's the, <laughs> I saw him in a Flintstone car on Facebook the other day. I, don't, I, I did see that. <laughs> um, he's going to take his, his land rig, uh, I don't know if he's taking a ferry or driving it around, but you know, his he's driving to the start in Jeddah or Sea Camp north of Jeddah. Oh man. And uh he's over there. He just sold his rally bike, his rally light bike to somebody and uh he's on the RFRs with us for the race. But uh nice. yeah, our as a team, as an ARO team, we have not been together, all five of us yet. Oh no. No, Jim's been in Europe. I mean oh, we yeah, you know, we true. have some Zoom meetings and stuff, but yeah. For a little while, the only, the biggest gathering we had was the giant loop rally. It was uh, Kyle and Paul drove down, and I jumped on my LR and just sprinted up there for some liaison training and did some dry lake beds in northern Nevada. And uh, that was the three of us. And then we honestly thought that this Baja rally was going to be four of us. McCoy was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul, David, and I were there, and McCoy was supposed to come and uh didn't make it but uh yeah the first time the five of us will be together it'll be probably scrutineering in december so <laughs> at the dakar, <laughs> at the dakar yeah. saudi arabia every everybody wearing the shirts you know yeah. having a good time and I, yeah. I think that's uh so i mean now you guys i mean yeah we're inside of 90 days to the to mm-hmm. to scrutineering um has there like as far as the team goes and what you guys have been developing like uh game plan wise malamoto is not necessarily known for outside support but also i think you guys are like the biggest quote unquote or the team that doesn't exist that's not supposed to exist right as an individualized sport it's very odd to go in with five people wearing the same shirts right or the same mm-hmm. hat i don't know how you want to say it but yeah. uh yeah i mean um i enjoyed the team aspect of the baja rally with the three of us you know we were there to help each other and we didn't have team orders, but we'd have little team chats in the mornings, you know, like, here's what this guy did yesterday, you know, he snuck off in the bushes and put his finger over the buzzer and opened the waypoint so no one else knew. And I was like, I've never really thought of that, but a great idea. And so you share that information with yeah. your teammates and not that we were doing that, but I mean, yeah. just little things you learn and, um, you know, Paul is a little bit new to rally tactics. And so, you know, we talk about leading out, like, I don't think you want to lead out tomorrow or in two days. So don't win tomorrow. And, you know, we just, just good stuff. And, and, um, it was a good team dynamic. We were all there for each other and, um, it worked out well. I mean, I, you know, all three of us got to the finish line and that's part of the goal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a smaller event than the big show, but, uh, mission accomplished and, you know, keep keep us all going in the right direction relentless forward momentum i know i mean that's and you think like okay well that that's just six days yeah that's i mean you guys are still doubling that plus two right because it's 14 i'll tell you victor the thing that the thing that got me was uh robert mann was interviewing us and he said hey what do you guys think about you know we just finished stage one what do you get what do you guys think about the distances and i was like well i read a post from ricky this morning up at 3 a.m short uh, you know, 390 kilometer transfer to the start of the time special, our whole day, including the time special was less than, was less than that. So less than we're still, we're still, 
we've got some big, big, big days ahead of us in Saudi and just, you know, on the top of my head, it's, it's pretty nice to have C concepts in our corner. I think mm-hmm. that, I think that the old derriers are going to be thankful. And, uh, I mean, you start talking about five to 700 K's a day. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like riding from, you know, San Francisco to LA easily. And that's on pavement, right? We're in the dunes, we're in sand. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you're taking on, you're biting it off a bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, and for those playing the home game, right? So every hundred kilometers is 62, roughly 62 miles. So 500 kilometer day, kind of on the shorter side of it, mm-hmm. you're that's 300 miles. Mm-hmm. So for those of you, San Diego, Southern California, that's hopping in the car and going to Las Vegas yeah. only to turn around and do at least that mm-hmm. the next day. Mm-hmm. And those are short days. I mean, honestly, I think there's, I don't think I'm exaggerating, but there's definitely some 700 K days and uh, maybe, maybe more. I've definitely seen some 798s. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think it was one of the year or, uh, one was, I think I was talking, it was either Scotty or Garrett Pache that I was talking to about that. And, um, it, it, we were talking about that because there was the concern, you know, oh, man, that, you know, the liaison. I remember one of the liaisons from Baja Rally was San Felipe all the way around to uh, Chapala. It, it was a long liaison. Mm-hmm. And there was some comments made about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it what put it into perspective was like that That's was nothing. That was nothing. That's nothing. You yeah. know, and but technically, I mean, in the sport of rally, you're going to travel, you're going to see things. And I mean, you got to do it somehow. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> like, that's the, I think I remember that day, the guy in the 350, his stator just couldn't take it. You know, no, I mean, his you, bike almost caught on fire and, um, <laughs> you know, the RFRs were good. I, yeah. we were doing some of those liaisons and I think if I listen to the boys correctly, the speed limit on the liaisons at Dakar is 110 kilometers an hour. So, Paul, David, and I would kind of settle in at like a 107, 108. And I don't say we'd break away from the group, but everybody was trying to save their tires and save their bike. And we, mm-hmm. we were just, you know, gone. Just do it. And uh, it was a comfortable bike. I'm amazed at the versatility of that machine. Mm-hmm. I This is, you know, it's hard to ride an RFR at home with no with no plate, with a bunch of stickers on it and stuff. So to come down to Baja, no, no real rules and go do... 100k 200k down the road you know at 107 kilometers an hour it's amazingly comfortable i you know i balance my wheels and stuff so um just still learning the bike but that was a concern and the concern's gone good good machine for that well and it's and and that's an important thing i mean it, it you know with seat concepts like you said something like balancing the tires it seems like it's all these little things well i'm tripping out i mean when i talk to boz dakar and everybody else who deals with essentially the tire combination and wheel combination that we have at Dakar, they don't run rim locks. Hmm. And, and that's got a moose in it too. That's got a moose in it. And I tell you that the moose is big enough that the tire's not slipping, but Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going into Baja rally and Sonora rally. Like, why would I change my system now? Like why, if I, if I don't run a rim lock now, and I DNF on a day because of it, I will never forgive myself. So I put rim locks in and I balanced my wheels at home on my, my balancer. And I don't have any complaints, but I mean, I'm not going to see a rim lock at that car, but I also didn't want to experiment now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, then we go back to the same thing. Well, the terrain's a little bit different, a little more hard pack here and that kind of stuff. So, 
sandier over there possibly or or for sure so and it depends and then i mean yeah on the highway but there's a speed limit so it's not like you're trying to you know burn up wheelies and do all sorts of stuff you know six hundred seven k's is you're scooting i mean yeah. you know you're not you're not you're not killing the bike uh like a 500 or a 350 but uh yeah it was good it performed you know i i'm i i see why people you know like mike johnson keeps finding old rfrs and he turns them into adventure bikes and mm -hmm. i kind of questioned it and now that i've you know pinned it down the road a bit it, it's fine it's good yeah well and you have um there's an interesting bike that and i remember when you when you first built it you spent a lot of a lot of time and money a lot of time and, uh was the or is your 701 lr yeah as soon as as soon as i came out with the 701 lr i knew i wanted to replace my 640 adventure it was like an 05 640 adventure and the thing would just thump and ruin your arms your hands the whole deal and as soon as they announced the lr i knew i wanted one and then as soon as i found out they were only gonna issue them for one year I didn't have any money. I went down, financed one, just get it in the garage. I'll deal with it later. Yeah. And what a great bike. I, uh, you know, done some serious suspension work and it's too tall to touch the ground and put in, put a rebel X nav tower on it, which uses some RFR factory parts and, uh, love the bike, you know, went to the giant loop rally from my house through the Sierras, like I was saying, and up through the, dry lake beds in northern nevada all through burning man lake beds and good good training good bike you know i i uh, have always bought seat concept seats full retail in the past 10 years and so i'm very happy they wanted to get involved with us um nice. huge relief and uh, literally and uh it's a good bike you know i you throw some saddlebags on that and there's no reason why you couldn't ride it all the way across the country i you know when i watched what nathan rafferty did on his 901 with the kind of his self-imposed you know coast to coast uh adventure mm -hmm. i wonder what bike i would choose to do that and there's nothing holding me back from doing that on the lr you yeah know, you don't need a twin you don't need a yeah don't need anything bigger than that 701 it's it is honestly one of the best most versatile bikes ever made it's yeah. amazing yeah, I, I, little Rottweiler upgrades here and there. You know, it's not it's not from the not off the showroom floor. It's not perfect, but yeah. Well, I mean, and that's it, it is within because motorcycle means you're not going to leave it alone. Yeah, there's, there's at some point there's if it's a sticker, if it's an yeah. intake, if it's a tuner, whatever. It's a, at some point it's getting something. But the dumbest thing KTM or Husqvarna ever did was not to keep making that bike. Like yeah. I first thing you have to do if you just get the straight 701 enduro is go get a gas tank you know mm -hmm. it's, i mean you can't you know yeah which depending on the kit i mean that's a couple i mean the so i recently found out right so the husky has the rear tank already on it the husky 701 but the front tanks they're non-existent on that version so you then have to go find a kit well i mean that's two grand right there yeah the fuel pump and the raid garage might make an affordable kit that doesn't require a fuel pump it's uh you you replace the air intake which is as big as a couch yeah. with something reasonable and then you can put this one and a half gallon tank where the air intake was under uh, the seat yes I've seen and it's that. a gravity feed and mm -hmm. um i could be wrong but maybe that's 1500 bucks and that's at a bare minimum but you start looking at mst tanks which is 
probably the way most people would want to do it. And yeah. I mean, who, who has that kind of money to just put on gas tanks? Like the, the LR was great from mm-hmm. the, from the showroom floor, like yeah. six, uh, 6.4 gallons of gas. Yeah. That, that was, uh, so I was looking at, um, you know, based on your, your bike and they kind of got the ball rolling. I'm like, okay, well, I, I want to look at one, right? I have the 790 in the garage. I have the 501, but it's like, uh, you know, the 501 will do all of the rally stuff I would ever want it to do. The 790, not so much. So I'm thinking, well, like, well, what about just ditch both 701, mm-hmm. build up a 701? And so I started looking at the kits and then, you know, of course, Aurora has their kit, but then I just found the, uh, the kit 690 version and, you know, and that one, right, right. It's maybe it's just a detail thing, but I like the idea that the tank has the sight window in it. Yeah. Like the RFR. Yeah. You know, and there was an Omega kit for a while. And for some sad reason, I think they're non-existent, but, uh, like Clint Clint Revere's got one on his 701 and we did some loops with him up in Canada this summer and it's having a good look at it. And it's a bummer they're gone, but it it looks super similar to essentially an rfr build you know like there's mm-hmm. a tank on each side and maybe it's a straight copy i couldn't yeah. be quite sure but it's it's a bummer those are gone they're gone yeah that's right the omega and i did see there was a couple of bikes i think uh chris rottweiler had one for a minute and then i think the guys uh one of the guys uh, uh vase here in san diego had a, a, a same an omega kit on their 690 or 790 uh, 701 it was a 701 that they had it on um, and yeah, I mean, they're, they're really impressive kits, lots of carbon fiber and all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. bummer. That's news to me. I hadn't, you know, I'd been out of that game and looking for that stuff. I was too focused on the 790. I didn't realize that they were gone. Maybe you know? they'll, maybe they'll bring it back. Um, I know that gas gas now has their version of that big single cylinder. Um, mm-hmm. but yet to see, yet to see the fuel range that they actually deserve i i want the, i really want that model to come back you know i, yeah. I know mccoy's hunting around for one but, yeah uh, we'll see well i'll have to keep my eyes open and you know and that's interesting you mentioned gas gas so gas gas just recently announced they're going to have their rfr version um and i mean at least what i saw was you know they were talking worldwide distribution so yeah i i hope that's true i mean yeah. honestly some of the talk in the bivouac is that those boys from uh North Texas are going to be able to import some version of an RFR soon. And, you know, with that, hopefully it comes to parts that some of us guys need when yeah. it's time. And, uh, the EPA sticker is the biggest part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to dumb them down so much to essentially get them in that you're straight into uncorking them. But, yeah. um, I, I hope, I hope that I, I think people would figure out how to, you know, to get one i mean yeah. lie cheat steal against their lady to you know whatever i mean i yeah. you know how you justify having that machine around i mean i can't but i no. i love it and uh i think it's the right um i think it, it would keep a lot of people honest right if there's people that want to get into the sport of rally you know okay well here's a rally bike and at worst you end up with a cool long-range adventure bike right that's yeah. not an adventure bike yeah I mean, it's it's a different animal than the seven hundred one. I mean, when mm-hmm. I when I when we picked up those four fifty RFRs, mine's a twenty twenty one, and um, you know, I start. It comes with an owner's manual, something pretty rare these days, and and you start looking through it and reading it because you're excited and you're like, what does this say? You know, the, the base idle setting, 
from the factory recommended is 2400 plus or minus 200 that mm-hmm. is a high high idle yeah you know like your your 501s your 500s i i think i'm I think they're 1400, 1200 to 1500. I mean, it's not realistic. I mean, yeah. 2400, like this thing rolls through corners. It's got so much mojo. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, like your idle's too high. I mean, the first thing I did was turn it down. Then I read the manual and I'm like, oh, it is supposed to be high. And yeah. had to get it on a computer and, and get the actual value back up to 2400. And it's, take some, it's taken some getting used to. Um, you just got to keep it rolling. I mean, I, I guess, you know, it's, more of the relentless forward momentum when yeah. it's when it's when it's rolling at 2400 it's got some juice yeah the bike is is pushing i mean which is interesting because you know that's um it, it is that momentum thing it is a it, it i mean it's not the 50 it doesn't weigh as much as a 501 that's for sure it's, it's uh, 60 pounds heavier before gas right so say a 501 is 250 pounds a rfr empty is 309 and, yeah. it, and it carries eight gallons just under eight gallons of gas 30 liters you know so it's uh uh, seven times eight whatever that is yeah seven pounds per gallon Mm -hmm. so i it'll get heavy Mm -hmm. but you know it's interesting to me you know and thinking about it and what what that feels like right you're you chop the throttle to come into a corner but the bike is still going to help push you so uh less engine braking i mean that's more more efficient riding maybe i mean that I'm still learning. I mean, basically yeah. I'm on these desert race tires for practice and I don't, I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but it's the worst tire in the world. I mean, it's actually making me apply myself to ride properly. It, it's every skill set I have or need to learn is becoming very apparent with that RFR. I, yeah. That tire, I mean, whew, there's just, there's not much there. I don't know. No. No, well, shallow knobs. I'm like, how is this really going to work in the dunes? And mm-hmm. got through Baja Rally. There's plenty of sand. I mean, we were messing around in the dunes and this and that. And you just got to stay on the gas. It'll 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 get you there. It'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's an interesting thing because you know, again, uh, Dakar and all that being FIM is they have a mandate. That I think it's 10 millimeters. Mm-hmm. The lug can mm-hmm. only be 10 millimeters mm-hmm. tall, mm-hmm. which by any standard, like you take a uh, Michelin Anarchy Wild, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a fifty fifty tire, I think, and and same thing, it's ten millimeters. Mm-hmm. But then you take something like a Motaz, or or then again any off road tire that you're used to seeing here stateside, and it's double that. Yeah, I mean the Freedom Rally RFR in uh, at the Baja Rally was on Kenda's front and back, mm-hmm. and uh, you know to me real tires, and yeah. I. I was a little jealous. I mean, I, mean, I, I wanted, I wanted a tire that worked and stuff, but you know, I'm committed to the long term goal. I, I want to get used to, want to get used to the machine, and mm-hmm. and this is that's what that's my goal, and that's what I'm doing. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm kind of on my own path, I guess. I, you know, the bike is slippery, so I want to learn how to ride it. I, yeah. uh, you know, we have the choice and Saudi to use a desert race Baja which is very different from a desert race. And I think in the dunes, it's kind of what you want. I ordered one six months ago to have one burned through it. And now I'm on just the desert race. And, uh, after Baja, I went looking for a desert race Baja. I've been looking for one online for three days and it's basically unobtainium. So yeah. it's, I kind of wanted one for the big dunes at Sonora and I am not seeing it happen. Nothing and I might have to, reach out to somebody that might have a garage full of them and see if I can do a cash deal. But yeah, 
Yeah, the I wonder about. Um, well, I just saw. Uh, what is it? Uh, Metzler has their Carew four, mm-hmm. and when I saw it, I was like. Oh, you mean the Michelin <laughs> desert race? <laughs> I mean, that's literally what it looks like. Right, so, right. you know, and, and, and that's a very interesting thing because um, when, you know, the, uh, there was a video I posted earlier of uh, Luciano Benavides, you know, Skylar House's teammate on their rally bike. And he's like literally flat tracking this thing, like mm-hmm. flat track position over the tank leg. Crack, practicing for Andalusia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like well, it's easy to do with that tire. Uh, there's no doubt. <laughs> there's nothing no, holding you nothing, back. Nothing. nothing no, nothing literally keeping it from going sideways. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting because I, you know, okay, I'm putting myself in that. You're trying to put myself in those shoes. You have to know what the bike's going to do. Yeah. You have to know how far yeah. you can push it. You have to know what's comfortable and what's not comfortable because you're going to do it for 14 days. Yeah. You know, and well, so we we went for a test ride down the beach in San Quentin after scrutineering and. Teed into the beach, hooked a right, and I had that thing so sideways, I actually thought I was going to do a 180. I mean, I, it was like, whoa. And yeah. uh, yeah, definitely had that experience a couple more times uh, over the next couple of days. But Paul Neff, teammate, coached me through it. You know, he runs a great riding school, and I had some dumb questions, and he answered them. And, and uh, yeah, learning the tire. You know, it's I'd rather do it now than there. So yeah. it's working out good. Yeah, and, I, you know, and again, I go back. That's It's something... It's interesting having a riding coach mm-hmm. on the team mm-hmm. and picking, helping pick up on on details like that. Because, I mean, to me, yeah, sideways to me, sideways on a bike is still kind of nerve wracking. So, or backing it into a corner and doing that kind of stuff. So, the idea that you have somebody that can help kind of coach you and and get comfortable with that because that maybe it's show, maybe it's part show in some cases, but you're there's going to be that time because dirt bike that you're going to, you need to have that skill set. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of was lurking around the pits last year at Sonora and, you know, noticed that Ricky was on a Metzler MC 360. Like it's a $90 tire from Rocky mountain. And, and, you know, I don't, maybe I'm, I don't know if they have a tire sponsor or what I'm allowed to talk about, but I went home and ordered one mm-hmm. new favorite tire. You know, I can do, I can stick that thing anywhere and it does what I want it to do. And I've probably got five or six of the guys going on them and they all love them too. And this desert race is nowhere near that. I, it's just, it's night and day different. Yeah. It's uh now that's interesting. MC three sixty front and rear. No, just in the back, uh, uh Michelin enduro medium in the front mm-hmm. is, uh, it's what I copied off of Ricky. So Michelin okay. enduro medium in the front and he's running an MC three sixty in the rear. They make a mid soft and a mid hard and, I've tried them both, and and for my style of riding, the mid soft seems to last a long time. I think Ricky might mess around with the mid hard, but you know he probably needs it on an RFR. This was back when I was on a five hundred one rally light bike. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I got Matthew Glade going on one, and Tony, and Steve Arney, and yeah. uh, some other guys, and uh, they love them. You know, it's and it's and it's affordable. Yeah. These desert race tires, I mean on sale are 230 yeah i was gonna say yeah otherwise they're like scratching at 300 dollars for a tire full retail is 297 or something yeah and then not only that but (laughs) with 10 millimeters of knob that sucks yeah that's nothing you know i I, I was so confused by the tire after two days that i actually just pulled out (laughs) calipers and measured how much i'd taken off of it and measured a new tire and showed my engineer friend you know i was like this is this is how much i've burned off this knob 
in two days of you know baja rally and like would you even change it and we we're going into a marathon so i changed it but they uh, they definitely last long uh it's about the only thing they have going for them yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting, yeah. You would think, you know, with a with a tire with such a shallow tread depth that it would it wouldn't last that long. You'd oh, it lasts. It, yeah. It's. Uh, I think I'm gonna start putting them on the 701 just because. Yeah, I'm not burning through them yet. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. Sonora will be different. It could potentially be longer days, and and we'll see. But. Uh, yeah, I'm going to repurpose them on my 701. On the 701. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, to me, like, it's, um, you know, in, in my mind, I was like, I remember uh, I went down to San Diego BMW Motorcycles, and I was, like, talking to the guys there because that's, you know, my my parts and tire source they can order. Yeah. And I'm like, I want I want some of those desert race, Michelin desert race. Yeah. So what do you, you know, can you yeah. quote yeah. them out for me? Yeah. And he, you know, he just texted me the number. I'm all, bro, I only asked for a front and rear. Yeah, and I thought I was getting a deal. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? You know, it's like. uh, No, that's just the back. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And and, and he presented it to me that way. I'm all like, oh, and and then he goes, and then the front. And I'm all like, what? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I thought that was the pair. And even then I was like. uh, Luckily, um, our bikes in Saudi and the way Michelin's doing things over there were michelin enduro mediums in the front so we're not desert race in the front and uh, i really prefer that front tire Mm -hmm. um had some issues with it in the rocks at baja uh tore through to the moose and did some things but in the sand and in dirt it's it's great and uh not the best rock tire but that's okay you know you just you just learn to ride it because it's worth it everywhere else yeah i feel like that's you it, it's you give it up but you understand that you're giving it up for another yeah. reason yeah exactly yeah. so i mean yeah. it's not too bad and i yeah it again that's that's one of the popular like we were talking about helmets right and you know it's the same thing you ask in, on a forum or on a facebook group like hey what helmet should i get and yeah oh man are you shaped like a melon or are you shaped like a you know egg? No. like what do you got no no <laughs> i mean it, it what's is interesting there's like there'll be like a hundred responses and three people ask that question mm-hmm. the rest are like Oh, bro, you need to be running the the, yeah. the Z Max from yeah. you know yeah. Revzilla. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? I'm, I feel really lucky. Climb is uh, climb has come in huge for us as a team, and I'm lucky that I'm transferring out of the Bell helmets to Climb, and it's pretty much a straight crossover. I uh, wasn't able to really find anybody that had them in stock and kind of risked it, and they showed up and they fit great and. Nice. I've only known Bell probably from the beginning. I was I was part of the Bell test pilot program for basically my whole time. My my best friend was the helmet designer there, and and uh, the climb is an upgrade though. You know, like the the whole mouth guard is is just a different orientation, and you can get your you know your mouthpiece for your camel back in easier and nice and light. The carbon one's insanely light, yeah, and uh, and. You know, the, the crash test dummy on our team survived. I mean, it, when I see, you know, what he went through with that helmet, it, you know, it makes me feel safe. I, yeah. I, I, they're doing a good job. I don't, I'm not that familiar with the ECE part of uh, a part of safety, and that's what's required at Dakar as opposed to DOT, but uh, yeah. it's doing its job. I'll have to look it up, and I think that the, the ECE was a better rating because I think, if I remember correctly, it measures multiple impacts mm. not just one impact mm-hmm. and to meet their their requirements so i i feel like there was an like a, a, a just a step further because they 
from my understanding, the reasoning was, is usually when you hit the ground, you don't hit the ground once. Yeah. You hit once hard, but then the one right behind it is usually. Yeah. Well, I was worried that, you know, with the Dakar requirement that it be ECE, that wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to source them in the U S and, and climb has them. They're in Mm -hmm. stock and they showed up and, uh, I don't know why or how, but I'm just thankful it's, it's, yeah. it's all that good. I got taken care of. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's, I mean that, yeah, that's, that's one more thing off the list, mm-hmm. little thing, but mm-hmm. you know, we were, uh, in talking to Scott Spears and they were talking about, um, how they had their equipment stolen at one of the Dakars, you know, all the riding gear and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, that's when we think about it, right? Like you guys, like you were just talking about seat concepts. It's like you have your things. You mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. your pair of gloves. Oh, yeah. And I bought them in large because they stretch to just right. Yeah. You know, even yep. though the measurement says I should get. So it's all these little things. Mm-hmm. And then so I imagine the helmet is the same thing. OK, mm-hmm. this is my helmet. And then they say, yeah, sorry, you can't wear it because it right. doesn't say ECE. Right. You know. Right. I mean, do you remember the year Ricky's bike got stolen out of the port? I mean, you imagine no. doing a whole year of hard work with HRC and, and your this is before he, I'm pretty sure it's before he actually won the overall. And uh, they they stole his bike out of the port. I mean, they were, I mean, you know, they have a lot mm. of spare parts, but your forks are gone. The fork, the suspension mm. you dreamed up all year with, with your team and all that stuff, all out the window. You're back to scratch, you know, back yeah. to your little spreadsheet, rebuild all your shim stacks. And uh, yeah. I, I was, I was gutted. From, I was gutted for him. I, yeah. And and his bike was the only one. Like how crazy! And yeah, that was that was three or four years ago, I think. But I felt I terrible know. for him. Yeah, I don't know. They they have you know. Well, I don't know. I I think the theory's right because they have. Uh, there's been that long time thing that they've been saying like oh that the French and the mm-hmm. the, the Americans mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. this is a French sport you know mm-hmm. and 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 it seems like it well at least more in the cars because I I you know the, obviously the Robbie Gordon thing has been very very public about what they're doing you know changing the rules on them last minute and and doing these things so I don't know if there's any way I've run that. into the French in the sailing world and and it's not just ASO or Dakar they it's how they roll you know yeah. I mean I you know yeah we don't need to get into all that but uh <laughs> well, the uh, the the thing that the thing that grabbed me you know, the, the part of my Dakar bug came from a Frenchman, this crazy Frenchman who raced professional mountain bikes in, in Santa Cruz for Santa Cruz bicycles. And he really, uh, probably is the reason that I've taken this on years later. It's that's the bug probably started with him. The point to point riding mold that into, you know, what Dakar is. And uh, he gets a lot of the credit for my, my needs right now. Yeah. And, so that's an interesting thing. Like I've I've known and I've seen some involvement. Like I've seen some of the pictures you posted about the sailing thing, but I never asked. What's I uh, spent eight years uh, on the U.S. sailing team trying to qualify for the Olympics, and mm-hmm. uh, so spent four years prepping for Sydney, and and then another four years prepping for Athens. And Athens was probably my real my real shot and my real goal to actually you know make the big show, and just couldn't put it together at the trials. Um, Probably 30 guys there, uh, roommate from college was there, a strong competitor. Our coach from the University of Rhode Island was also there, and he's the one who actually got the slot to go, and very competitive. Um, you know, uh, I've put that time in, and it's turned into, you know, that eight years of 
living out of a bag and just training my face off all over the world with the best people turned into, you know, being completely broke at the end of it, like mm. not a penny in my pockets and went back to school and, uh, you know, opened a business doing IT consulting and network security for small businesses and somehow, you know, still needed to pay bills. And that turned into some, some sailing on some big boats with some people who needed, needed a good man or two. And, uh, you know, doing that for work and still am a bit, you know, I'm involved in some really neat race teams and with some really good people. And it's, it's nice, you know, I'm I'm able to say no to some stuff and, and yes to the right people. And and those people are friends and family to me and it's, it's a good scenario. Yeah. Good, good spot to be in. Yeah. And what, what, um, what's your role on, on the boat? Uh, every boat's different. Um, you know, sometimes I'm, every team is different. Every boat's different. Some guys own a lot of different boats. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do, I do the pit on a really neat boat based out of Newport beach, California. Um, do the runners on one of his other boats. Um, sometimes I do tide and current, like a little bit of coaching, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, uh all around it could almost be anywhere on the boat so whatever it takes to make the team go smooth you know yeah yeah because you have and i've heard of mentioned a couple of times about um the navigation side of it Mm. that you have you know there there's a skill set that you've picked up for navigation that you kind of well i gotta be careful because you don't have dunes in the ocean right i mean it's it's when you're navigating the ocean you're watching out for Catalina or Hawaii or or a jagged point, um, but I am comfortable with a compass bearing. You know, right. I, I do, I, I I can say that. But when you, I mean, the dunes and snarl blow your mind. Like if you if you've never raced through them, it's a whole different animal. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's not exactly the same. Um, much like a pilot, you know, the ocean is big and you can go straight. In the air, you can go straight unless there's mountains and stuff but it's it is a little different but there is crossover right Mm -hmm. getting better at distances especially converting it into kilometers in my head and meters and um yeah it's good it's good and then seeing what that actually looks like because that's important (laughs) you know know, how many is yeah 10 kilometers and that was actually i was talking about that on the last show and i was looking at the road book on the wall and i was like you know it's uh you know, we see the glory days, right? Or the glory in, in, in Dakar, right? The helicopter shot with Mason or Skyler. Mm-hmm. I mean, just ring these things neck. Mm-hmm. And then you go and look at a road book and you're going, okay, yeah, that was, that was the only six kilometer section. So the helicopter just had to hang out in that area until yep. it came through. Yep. Cause the rest of it, they're sitting down navigating. Yeah. And so it's very, uh, it could be very deceiving that, you know, oh, I don't ride as fast as them, so there's no way I have a shot at that. Mm, not those, necessarily. Those guys rip. I mean, I, yeah. you know, well, like, <laughs> and the funny thing about rally is, is you know, at some point, the good guy's been behind me once or twice, and he, even uh, was it a year ago, two years ago, we were doing the just the verification loop, the test loop, untimed stage. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's when you're done scrutineering, go do the test loop, test your equipment, and and you know, I, I was late in the day. I was one of the last people through scrutineering, and Skyler left after me, and I was out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, Skyler passed me; his front wheel didn't touch the ground ever. 
like as far as I could see, he passed me like I was standing still and he was just ripping and it's just mind bending. You're like, Oh gosh, I shouldn't even be here. Like he, that was impressive. You know, he, he was just saving the front tire. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> his, tire his, conservation. his wheel sensor wasn't working. I tell you his odometer was wrong. Yeah. He, he was checking <laughs> if the GPS version or yeah. GPS part of yeah. the, well, no, I think that those are reg regulation bikes. So no, they don't have a GPS odometer on them. They have to be wheel speed. I believe they, if I'm correct, they run three and one of them is a wheel sensor and all that does is give them speed for transfers oh, okay and it has to be on the bike but i don't think they're using that as their primary oh, okay yeah. as the auto yeah yeah i remember they I, I had seen something about that and i was it wasn't necessarily clear but yeah that there was like because from my understanding the aso if i am in all the uh, as far as the dakar goes is they are very strict on devices on you on the bike in the vehicle well, my RFR came with an ICO that's a, just a wheel sensor, no no uh, yeah, GPS, GPS antenna. Mm-hmm. And that's basically under the road book. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the hard one to look at. And yeah. then you've got your two repeaters above the road book. And yeah, that's a requirement. So yeah. Interesting. Well, well, we'll see. So what's, uh, so Sonora, how's the, the bike ready? Bike's a uh, little dirty, but ready. I've uh, got some air filter work to do. Going to geek out and uh mark my tanks on thursday i'm gonna one gallon at a time yeah one liter at a time actually i think uh i think i'm just going liters um yeah take all the gas out probably clean some tanks in the process and then uh yeah that's on the work list i feel like i put eight gallons of gas in the bike or 30 liters of gas in the bike every day at baja rally never took gas at a gas stop and more just to practice what that feels like and how to ride the bike. But on the last day I did some fuel management. I don't like, I don't need 30 liters to go 220 K and, uh, basically went with kind of empty front tanks and just kind of ran the rear Mm -hmm. dry. And I still have like over two gallons of gas left. I mean, it's, 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 it's unreal range. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go into the dunes with 30 liters if I don't need to. So yeah. going to geek out and do some marking and uh, <laughs> one liter at a time. It'll, I don't know how long I've never really done that, but uh, yeah. well, mark, mark the tank out. Cause it's, it's, they're weird shapes. Uh, most of the gas in the front tanks is down low mm-hmm. and uh, it's deceiving. I mean, you could think you don't have any, but you might actually have a gallon sitting down there. A hole. Yeah. It's a huge ear, you know, a huge, like huge bowl. Yeah. You know? Down at the. Yeah, that's interesting. And and then how you how you would maybe do that. I don't know if it's like I know on the race cars, it's usually if you're measuring gas, you are you turn the fuel pump on and you stop when the fuel pump stops. Even if there's a gallon, a 20 gallon tank, you only might get 19 out of it. Mm-hmm. That's your you have a 19 gallon tank mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's the same. There's a fuel pump in the bottom of the left front tank and there's a fuel pump in the bottom of the rear tank. And mm-hmm. I do have tool two fuel lights on my dash okay uh i haven't really set one off yet so still still learning the bike well and and that's the thing most of the races down here or well where the bike goes to are events where the bike is designed to be Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's you have more gas than actually it's usually designed for bikes that have less autonomy because i think it's still 300 kilometers uh autonomy autonomy that they have to have or someday they they tell they mandate mm-hmm. the bike's got to at least go this far and yeah, my bike goes plenty far I yeah mean, for what we're doing it's uh 
it's it's it goes really far i mean the the, the gas stop guys would get frustrated with me that I'd catch the guys taking my gas gas off. Like, no, 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 I'm good. No, no, yeah. no gasolina. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, We're golden. Yeah. I mean, I was like, look at this thing. It's full. Yeah. I had, you know, everybody else is not running out, but you know, their 3.2 gallon tanks are done. And, <laughs> Well, so so really, what you were is you were the fuel tanker. Yeah, I, I, I carry a hose. I carry a little transfer hose for the boys in case I need to fill somebody up. Yeah, make better decisions next mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you said, I remember that one uh, a couple of years back in Baja Rally. It was one of the San Felipe sections, and uh, you know Colton Udall. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the other the other guy that was there. I think it was Skyler, uh, and I. I think Garrett was there for that year. Um, but they were like the only Ray. Red was probably oh, it was there. Ray. Yeah. yeah. They were the ones that understood the assignment and you guys, I, I, you didn't have any, I don't know any issues getting through there, but a majority of them all spent some time out at the, uh, I was watching them on rally comp tracking. Oh, look this. And they're literally within a hundred meters of each other out of gas. Right. Because they just, yes. I mean, Yes. full send on every wash yeah. every you know that was the year they all kind of started messing around with injected bikes and so they chipped their bikes and they and were not ready mm-hmm. for the burn rate i, I think yeah. that's possible if yeah. i remember correctly yeah they they were going through gas and they're like we're missing our carburetors right now this wouldn't have happened on our carbureted bikes and you're like oh. mm, not i mean no no, no not really because yeah. uh, a fuel injector is generally going to be more fuel efficient you know but yeah until you in, start messing with it in the sand on the gas with a modified chip i, I think they uh yeah. learned learned some things about yeah. items were learned and that's you know but th- then you think like okay well here's colton udall mm-hmm. still set one of the fastest times through there mm-hmm. ray same mm-hmm. no issues and they might have been on gen 1 450x's i i can't remember but uh i remember when yeah. skylar started messing around with the husky Mm-hmm. chip and he was like my range is gone you know like just eating fuel yeah yeah she's thirsty mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. well it is 500 cc's yeah nice awesome well i mean that's uh i mean we've got a game plan we're gonna get ready for the sonora rally yeah. and yep. you know i think that'll be uh i think it'll be fun i'm glad you're coming down it'll be good um it'll be a good rally yeah yeah sure. was, baja rally was a little short for me i was looking forward to being down there the week but you know family stuff so took care of that but yeah sonora rally i think is going to be good headed down with dad and he's he spent a bunch of time in hermosillo so your dad's critical he was i mean i remember him from a couple years ago he's a good time to have around yeah that was fun yeah he he's uh it's interesting because when he's out with my brother it's a whole day he's on the the racer side of the table and when he's out with me it's and with us it's the organization side of the table so yeah very different pace yeah you know and and he's used to the sprint races okay here comes the car it's not here yet okay the car's here pit okay time to go to the next place <laughs> and rally's like eh, they're coming yeah <laughs> you know? yeah tracking us and yeah. they're still moving it's he's fine yeah they're yeah. good he hasn't ridden up oh, better tell him to turn around yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know uh, that's the end of your day you yeah know? so so yeah it'll be fun I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it awesome well i think we'll uh we'll call it there i mean so yeah it's been a good night and we'll uh for all you uh, all you home uh, home listeners, I heard that Eli Tomac might be banging around the pits in Sonora, so keep an eye Ooh. out. You didn't hear it from me. Didn't hear it from me, but you might see him. Yeah, there might be out there. All you right. Might see him. Ah, interesting. Yep. I wonder what uh, yep. we'll see. 
I wonder if we'll get uh, you know Ricky Carmichael some Triumph stuff going. I'm wondering that too. I wonder yeah. if you talk him into uh, talk him into rally. I, I don't obviously don't have his phone number, but that'd be cool to see the Triumph. I mean, maybe Brad Fox can bring it on. Yeah, I mean, he's on he's on the Triumph, and I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know what? We need to get Andrew Short involved in this. Mm. I know Andrew Short knows these guys too, so he's going side by side. So I don't know if he's going to talk. Uh, Andrew, to us. don't don't do it, Andrew. I age, with age comes the cage. I get it. Just slow it down just a little. Yeah. He's uh, he like says he likes the digital road books. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's coming soon to the bikes. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. As long as they got. I mean, the one that I saw from Rally Navigation or RNS mm. Electronics, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now this is a like there. I mean, now you can talk about it because it looks like it's working. You can read it. You can see it. Exactly. I I agree. uh, And they show one of the one of the other units, kind of the what was the front runner of the electronic roadbook units that are obtainable by us mere mortals, mm -hmm. side by side Mm -hmm. and in the same sunlight. And there is a very noted difference. Yeah. So. And I like the idea that it has. It is the bigger screen, and you can, like, okay, I just dropped you know, several hundred dollars on or on your cap mm-hmm. and on your speedo. Mm-hmm. I don't want a tablet that's going to replace that. I run a tablet that's a little more cost effective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. shows me the road book. RNS is, it looks like an amazing device. And, uh, you know, I don't know when Matthew's going to have his hands on those for, for mortals, but, uh, yeah. he's been a huge supporter of the team and, you know, there isn't a lot of places to get that stuff. He doesn't need to support anybody, and he sure is good to us. Yeah. And uh, really appreciate him. You know, there's there's good for rally and there's bad for rally, and, and Matthew is great for rally. So, yeah. you know. No, it, it, it's pretty awesome. I just, you know, I, I place an order for candy, and I end up with a road book holder, <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. it was crazy. I ordered a candy bar, and I ended up with the GFX2 Pro, you know, yeah. you know, random thumb switch. You know? I'm calling my neighbor. Can you get my package out of the sun? I don't want my chocolate to melt. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. Never mind the value of what's in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the chocolate's melting. Please yeah. grab it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> nice. So. Uh, and, and speaking of which, and we always want to give these guys a time who, you know, we, we mentioned seat concepts, uh, as on board with you guys climb also a big supporter. Who else is on the team with you guys? Giant loop has been really good to us. Um, somehow that's also translated into the USWE, uh, oh, yeah. hydration packs. They, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I totally have it sorted, but I think they're all under the same umbrella now. So, yeah. uh, USWE, USWE is on our side and giant loop is on our side and uh you know if my my personal some of my personal people are you know sierra utility sales they've been good to me and luke valentine uh it's the labosh inc it's uh mm-hmm. you know an agricultural company out of kansas and and uh these guys keep me going you know I, i've got some people in my corner even though i'm not the fastest guy and the goal is the same, you know, get yeah. to the finish line and, and these guys are behind me and I appreciate all of them. I, uh, they're taking a risk on me and just want to make them all proud. And, yeah. and, you know, the team, the team dynamic is great. We've got five guys who, who are got their eyes on the prize and, yeah. and that is getting us all to the finish line. I mean, it's, you know, Ryan Arino's dad, I think is the only American who's attempted the Mali moto class. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh i wish i wish ryan was coming to these rallies I, I don't know why he's not at the baja or why he's not at the sonora but 
you know, he's, he's shown himself at the, the Yellowstone and the SoCal rally and got to keep kids like him coming through. Um, it'd be good to see. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting time for North American rally. We've got, you know, there's 11 of us Americans on bikes entering the motorcycle class and, I'm not totally sure how many bikes are in the overall field this year, but we could represent 10% of the the motorcycle field mm-hmm. as Americans, you know, and you go back to 2014 and, you know, a little trivia from our historian. I mean, Mike Johnson is the only American who finished the Dakar rally on a motorcycle in 2014. One mm-hmm. guy, you know, so if, mm-hmm. we're, if we're trying to get 11 guys to the finish and yeah, there's an attrition rate, but I mean, there's some yeah. pretty solid riders in that list and, and, uh, you know, we're increasing the numbers. I mean, you know, hats off to Skyler and hats off to, to Mason for their achievements in Morocco. And, and it's happening. You know, it's yeah. good. It's good to see. It's exciting. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of little, a lot of people are becoming inspired. And I mean, and I can tell just, you know, show reach and questions coming in and stuff like that, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's there. And, and, and I'm already encouraging the, the organizations, you know, um, uh, in talking to Darren from from Sonora Rally and talking to Scotty from uh, from Baja Rally and Mauricio, uh, actually was the conversation with Mauricio was like classes, like you guys, and then the combination that you guys did. I really, I really hope that we can get that done again after the Dakar to have you guys there coaching and and doing that that same exact recipe, that same way that that went down. I think was huge. You know, mm-hmm. you guys like rubbing elbows with the the people that were that are just getting started and, and yeah. passing that stuff are more valuable i mean we would pair up like i said we'd pair up with somebody and head out there and just figure it out and yeah. uh and it's a safe way to ride too yeah. um but i think it's valuable i i think it worked you know the feedback was positive so yeah um i agree it's good it's good yeah. So as soon as we got a calendar for that, I need to know so we can get it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wait for those Sonora days to come out. And, yeah. then, uh, and then I think, and I think we can start doing stuff maybe hopefully like a month before the event. And yeah. you know, not the week before. No, uh, this is hard. Like the Baja rally back to back with Sonora. Good training for Dakar. Don't get me wrong, but just the, the logistics, I mean, you know, people are working like it's, yeah. I, you know, took, <laughs> I would say I took the whole month off work. I just tried to quit and they wouldn't let me, but I mean, how do you, how do you go race rally as a warrior? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard. So, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I told them at work, I'm all like, all right, yeah, I just, I'm putting in my vacation request, but I need to have a conversation about this. Yeah. And luckily that, you know, my, my, my super, my boss at work is, is cool. And yeah. he, you know, he's like, okay, just yeah. make sure, you know, nice. just lay it out and make sure it's yeah. handled. And yeah, yeah, I tell the guys, I'm all like, I'm gone for a week. Yeah. I'm here for a week. I'm yeah. gone for a week. Yeah. So figure it out. Yeah. No, the <laughs> you know? sacrifice is huge. You know yeah. I mean? On, on the family front for, for family members on, on different, you know, different aspects of our team. And yeah. it's hard. It's hard to, hard to find the balance. You know, I had to, I had to uh, give my dog to my dad and my stepmom for six months while I focused on this. I mean, it's yeah. just the worst time in the world to have a dog. And, no, yeah. and try and be responsible so yeah. sacrifices for everybody across the board and, yeah but the the goal is real so yeah. yeah and and it's getting there yeah you know you guys have been training you got it sounds like the recipe's on point so yeah. it's just yeah. you know hurry up safe, <laughs> safe and clean runs you know yeah. it's just trying uh trying to be safe at the moment so it's good yeah i, just, I mean well that's that's going to be the best of luck to all you guys yeah. and and making sure you know that i that's everybody's going to be rooting obviously and and 
the attrition, yeah, that can happen to the rest of the field. It would be good to see all 11. You know, if they say there's a 50% attrition rate or whatever it is, you know, hey, yeah. just keep everybody on this side of the 50. Yeah. You know? yeah. So do the bike prep, yeah. you know, uh, do, do the, do the gear prep and the rest is, the rest is up to us. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on, Victor. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, we talked about good for rally and bad for rally, and I think chasing waypoints is really, really good for rally. And appreciate everything you're doing for us and and, mm-hmm. and North American rally. I I don't know where else to send people to get information. I, I know the Canadians listen in hard and yeah. and they find it to be very useful. So yeah, uh, we got to get uh, I got to get some more people on there. I know we had Lawrence hacking on there, but you know I know Clint's up there. Uh, Matthew, we've had on here and I know there's a bunch of other guys up there. I think Corey Hansen from camel, uh, mm-hmm. is up there as well. I mean, so, and they do some rally stuff. So I would love yeah. to, uh, hear a chasing waypoints podcast with Johnny Campbell. I, I think there is so much knowledge there when he was running, be, you know, supporting everybody actually, you know, finishing Dakar as the guy who, was in my role i mean i know i'm not as fast as him but you know his job was to support everybody in front of him and and mm-hmm. um the knowledge obviously that he gives down the down the food chain to you know guys he's looking after on the team it's just got to be huge yeah and and he's so great to have in the bivouac he's great to talk to and pretty sure you've heard happy dave talk about it but, oh yeah you know, he went over to him he's like hey you know my bike's not running very well they those guys had that thing apart for him and <laughs> rebuilt the whole thing on him and um i just think there's a lot of knowledge there i mean you go back to the nevada rally days uh ken choma gave me a nevada rally book mm-hmm. uh, the old the cherubis uh yeah. rally Cherubis, nevada yeah. and it's interesting like you go look at those road books and they're in miles and they're all hand-drawn tulips and stuff i mean it's <laughs> it's come a long way right but you go look at who's in those races and you know it's steve hangefeld and johnny obviously and uh, a bunch of the other characters and yeah. i think those guys those guys have a lot of knowledge so yeah that's another one that that's on my list, you know, it's uh, Quinn Cody, but also uh, Steve Hengeveld yep. as well. Yeah. I, I mean, know. Quinn's been through the, the Johnny school and obviously mm-hmm. the whole Honda HRC effort back when Quinn was number nine and Mike Johnson was part of that, I think as well. Yeah. Um, maybe with a satellite team, but just, just get the Hondas going and yeah, he's got a lot of that Johnny dust on him and yeah. it comes out in those, those 790 builds and his 890 builds. Like what a great machine. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of knowledge in those guys. And yeah. Oh, it's going to be a shame when it's not available anymore. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, they, I mean, they've obviously made their mark. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the, the 798 90 that, that Quinn came out with, uh, and, and designing a response. I think just absolutely made a mark in that yeah. whole market it, it crossed a bunch of people over into adventure that had never really considered it well it's interesting so. that's an interesting thing point because the one of my scenarios in my non-racing past is i don't really like riding in dust and i brought that up with the pearsons and they're like oh well all you need to do is go to bc and alberta and ride the logging roads and i'm like what are you talking about you know and they're like you haven't ridden dust until you've ridden the logging roads in bc or alberta and i'm like really sure enough comes down to it i had to fly in to help uh bring a bike back david's wife's bike she she broke her leg and and sure enough we ended up in the logging roads in alberta and i got really good at riding in dust and then i was riding quinn's you know i mean the dna that's all over that bike that 790r Mm mm-hmm and what a machine. I mean, you don't know how nice it is to ride a machine. It took me a couple of days to get used to it, but it's really nice to ride a machine that the suspension works from the factory. 
Yeah. And I, I think that credit goes to Quinn. I, I think that in the design and, you know, he must have sat down with somebody from WP and said, this is the shim stack and this is how I want to do this. And that thing ripped. I mean, Clint, Clint Revere, we met up with him and, and uh, did three days of riding with him and, he saw how fast David and I were riding those things, and he's like, "Have you guys done the suspension on those?" And we're like, "Nope, this is there's this good out of the box." And yeah. I don't usually, you know, rip around that fast, and that bike made it super easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, hats off to Quinn. What a cool machine. Yeah. Well, one day I'll I'll be good enough to ride it <laughs> <laughs> at least twenty five percent. That's my goal. Yeah. So give me twenty five percent. I won't do a hair seen dust until you've seen these Alberta logging roads. I yeah. mean, those semis are doing 70 miles an hour in the silt and and the road is like four or five semis wide and the first one went by and i just pulled over and waited and you know david just straight through it and sure enough by the end of day three day four you're just dealing with it and it is what it is do some air filters but i mean it was good good (laughs) dust training like that problem's gone yeah yeah all right now yeah Yeah. now that we're over that (laughs) when you see that dust coming and that truck coming and you're like that is a wall yeah it's scary but all good yeah you lose visibility for a few minutes mm-hmm. nice well not bad well the adventure continues yeah, sonora rally thanks victor all right thank you all right so there you have it that was a wrap with mohart here at the adventure taco studio for episode 89 of the chasing waypoints podcast so we wish those guys good luck for the sonora rally uh and then more importantly coming up is the dakar rally where 11 u.s competitors will be headed out so uh, don't forget to tune in to the Instagram page for Chasing Waypoints. We will be doing live updates uh, from the Sonora Rally throughout the week. Uh, the plan is uh, morning to get you guys introduced to the day's stage, a midday update, let you know how it's going, and then the final day's recap at the end of the day. So I'm sure we'll see Mo down there as, rest of, uh, as well as the rest of the guys. So looking forward to the event. So in the meantime, remember, guys, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week. Bye.